Welcome to the Ask Andrew podcast. Real questions from real condo investors. You ask, I answer. Hi, and welcome to the very first episode of the Ask Andrew podcast. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Andrew LaFleur, and I'm the host of this show. And every week on this show, we're going to be bringing you real unscripted live calls with condo investors. They're asking me questions, and I'm answering those questions. So if you're listening to this show and you're a condo investor or you're interested in investing in condos, this will be a great resource for you. Um, just to introduce myself briefly again, my name is Andrew LaFleur. I'm the founder of a website called truecondos.com and I'm a real estate agent here in Toronto and I specialize in helping people invest in the condo market. I've been doing this since 2007. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably already know me from my main flagship podcast, which is the True Condos podcast. You can search for that or go to my website and download those episodes. That's been running for about three and a half years. We've got about 180 episodes there as of time of this recording that you can listen to and, and learn more about condo investing and hear from many different experts. But this show is not about hearing from experts. This show is a little bit different. It's about hearing from you, the condo investor, somebody who's interested in getting into condo investing. Also somebody who, uh, if you have already been investing in condos, maybe you've got many units and you're a seasoned investor. But the point is I want people to hear your questions and I want to be able to provide answers to those questions. And that's why we started this show. It's going to be a great resource for you to come to and to listen to what other um, condo investors are thinking about the questions that they're asking and the answers to those questions will, I think, be of great help um, to you and your condo investing strategy and as you're building your portfolio. So every episode is going to be just basically a live unscripted call with, um, with a particular condo investor. They're asking me questions. I don't know what they will be and we're just chatting back and forth. So what you can do next, if you are interested in being a guest on the show, if you have a question that you would like me to answer, or maybe you have many questions, I'm happy to do that. Just go to askandrewpodcast.com and click on ask a question and you can, there, there you can um, become a, uh, a future guest on this show. And I'd love to hear from you and I'd love to be able to chat with you and answer your questions as well. So for the, today's episode, the very first episode, I'm speaking to Claymore. Claymore is a previous client of mine. I helped him purchase his first condo that he lived in several years back. And now he's come to me recently and he's interested in investing in condos. And he wants to build a portfolio. He wants to buy multiple units. And so some of the things that we talked about on this episode, he was asking about how, does, how do you know if you're getting a platinum allocation? How do you know that, uh, how can you be sure that you're getting in at the very first stage of a new condo launch? He talked about assignments. He asked about assignments. He also asked about um, accessing his home equity line of credit and how to invest doing that and how many condos can he purchase with a home equity line of credit. And, and we had more questions like that. So without further ado, here is my call with Claymore. Enjoy. How does, because uh, I haven't done it through, I guess, the typical means, how does this process work with if you're interested? So like say I'm interested in the Kingley condos, uh, say the Dewey's condos. How does the process work, particularly when there's a, a lot of demand and lack of supply in terms of, I get that I would find a worksheet and then, um, yeah, what are the next steps 
And I guess, right. you know, what do you do to hope that you get in with the, yeah. into the yeah. How do you actually get something? How does it work? Yeah. Yeah, that's sort of, uh, you're asking me to peel back the veil of, uh, of the condo industry a bit here and <laughs> let you into the, the secret club or the secret society or something. I mean, um, which to some extent, it, it, there's a little bit of that kind of secret, you know, ness to it. Um, there's a little bit of art. It's a little bit of science. Um, it's a lot of it is just supply and demand. So, I mean, it's a little bit of everything. Um, there's not, I, I, there's not one firm rock solid answer. I could say if you, if you want to buy a condo in XYZ building, these are the four steps you will take to guarantee you're going to get a unit. It just, it doesn't work like that. Like there's, these are, I would say these are the, these are the steps you're going to take to give you the maximum probability of getting a unit. Uh, but there's never a guarantee. So, I mean, the steps would be, you know, things that we talked about already that you're sort of aware of. Number one is you got to work with a top agent, somebody who is, you know, has the highest level of access, somebody who has a, a, a long relationship with the builder or with the sales company that is selling the building on behalf of the builder or both. Um, that's the number one thing. If you're working with an agent who is just a, just an agent or has never sold anything, um, then uh, you're you're dead in the water before you even begin. Um, all right, just closing door here. Um, so that's that's number one thing. Uh, number two is yeah, you got to get your worksheet in and make sure it's all filled out correctly. Make sure you have your paperwork in order, your ID and everything. If you have a worksheet that is not filled out correctly, that you, if you don't have your ID, uh, they're gonna just you know that's gonna lower your chances again. They're gonna say, well, this guy's not serious. He can't even fill out a worksheet properly, or he can't. Some people don't like giving out their IDs, which I understand, but a lot of builders will look at that and say, well, it's an incomplete file, like. I've got all these complete files here, people who are, you know, very serious about trying to get a unit. And then I've got these ones here where the person didn't send in their ID or the agent didn't do it or whatever, yeah. something on this. So, you know, that's another simple thing that, that you need to do. Um, another tip is, you know, you need to be flexible. You need to have as many options as possible. Um, again, if, if you, if the building has say 300 units and your worksheet has, I want uh, the rose floor plan on the second floor. That's what I want. Uh, well, that's one unit out of 300. The chances of you being the lucky person who gets that one exact unit is low. I mean, because there's probably, you know, 15, 20, 30 people who also want the same unit. So what are the yeah. chances of, of you getting pulled to that? But if you say, you know, I'll take any one bedroom, you know, up to the 20th floor, and you add all those units up, and it's like 35 potential units that you're open to, to uh, taking. Well, then your your you know your chances of getting one of those 35 units is 35 times better than just putting down one unit. Now that being said, you should only put down units that you actually take. Like some people would put down units just to try to get one on their worksheet, and then they they get the unit, and they're like, well, I didn't really want that unit. I'm, I'm not going to take it. Uh, you know, and obviously you don't want to do that. Um, but, uh, that's, you know, you do want to have choices, you want to be flexible. 
Um, it's better, you know, it's, it's better. The idea is it's better to get something at this, at an early stage of, of a good project launching than it is to get nothing or to get, it's better to get, you know, your B choice right away than it is to get your A choice later on when the price is higher. You know, um, so those are some general sort of tips. Uh, but, um, but other than that, like specifically to the question of how do you, how, how does, how, who gets picked? I mean, it's, like I said, it's part art, part, part science. Um, a lot of it comes down to relationships, you know, like, like many things in life, it's about relationships. So, you know, when, when the, uh, like I don't choose, I don't do the allocations. It's out of my hands. Like it's done by the builder. Or it's done by the builder sales company. Uh, but it's often just, you know, it's, it's a political thing or it's a relationship thing. Uh, I owe this person a favor or, or whatever, but this person is higher up the food chain or the totem pole than this other person. You know, there's so many factors that they're going to take into consideration um, when they're making those those choices. Um, yeah, so it's... Uh, it, Sometimes it's it's a first come first serve as well. I mean, sometimes they actually do do first come first serve. So it's it's a matter of getting your worksheet in first and quickly. Uh, but most of the time, it's more of a uh, you know it's more of a who you know kind of a situation. So yeah, I mean, hopefully that gives you some insight into it. It's, it's I don't know, it's not the answer that you're hoping for. Anybody's really hoping for. You want just sort of a black and white. This is how you do it. That doesn't, unfortunately, just doesn't really work like that. Like, um, you know, uh, what else can I say from my end of things? Like, if I have, I'll be honest and upfront, and I'll say if I have, uh, you know, if I have uh, 10 people who want, you know, let's say if I have five people and, and they all want the same one unit, and the builder gives me one of those units, I ask for five, they give me one. Well, then I have a decision to make. What am I going to do? Well, let's let's be honest. I'm I'm not going to give it to the person that I've never worked with before, somebody who I have no track record with, somebody who I is is not known to me. Um, I'm going to give the unit to the person you know who's bought you know three, four, five, six units from me, you know, in the past, who I have a long-standing relationship with, and and that we want to continue to work together. Um, so that's you know that that's just uh, that's part of it as well. Now, obviously, you being somebody, you'd definitely be in that group of you know top clients who you've you know we've done now multiple uh, transactions together. Um, and obviously, I know you're in very good financial standing, and I know you're you know you're a solid uh, kind of buyer who you know once you, you decide you're going to do something, you're going to follow through and, and and do it as opposed to uh, somebody who may be on the fence or unsure or, or shaky or, you know, they may, there, there may be a chance that they're going to cancel it during the 10 days just, you know, because they get nervous or something. Um, you know, obviously you don't want that situation where it's a lot of times if, if somebody cancels a unit that has been allocated, then the builder will not let me sell it again to another person that I might have who wants to buy it. They'll take it back. Um, or... Or they'll they'll say, okay, you can sell it to the next person, but the new price is you know ten thousand dollars more than we told you the first time. So um, 
you know, that's, that's sort of, that's sort of how it goes. That's all part of it. Ultimately, the biggest one single factor is really just truly is just supply and demand. So if you're looking for a unit that there's one of the units and, and 20 people want that unit, uh, chances are low. If you're looking for a unit that, you know, only two people want that unit and, and you are one of the people who want it, then your chances are, are much better. So, um, that's, uh, hopefully that, does that help? Does that give you some insight into that side of it? Yeah, I think that's, that's pretty comprehensive. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Um, next question is, uh, with these assignment periods when you do pre-construction, um, when do these assignment periods usually start? Or can you, for example, you know, if it's, say, five years ahead when it's going to be complete, say in two years' time, for some reason, you would just like to sell if you could. How does it work in terms of, do you have to, uh, are there rules with the builder in terms of nobody can sell their contract, so to speak, until, you know, three months before completion, or how does that work? So say, for example, yeah, like what just happened with uh, the last sale we did where the price went up quite quickly overnight. Say if one wanted to sell that at a later date, but obviously as soon as they could, how does the... How does that work? Because obviously the builder, I imagine, doesn't really want sales to happen before the building's complete. I think, from my understanding. But yeah, I mean, generally, yeah, generally speaking, builders, you need to know that builders are are quite restrictive on assignments. Yeah, they they're not big fans of them. They they understand they're part of the business and they understand that so their responsibility to sort of allow them to happen and to facilitate them. Yeah. But they don't really. If if the builders could say, they would say nobody can assign because it does. Uh, it can dilute the building, and obviously they don't want to be competing. You know, they may have units to sell. Most importantly, they don't want to be competing against other people who already buy other units or reselling them. Yeah. In some cases, for less, you know, than they're selling them for. That's the the worst case scenario. So they are quite restrictive in in what they allow and don't allow. Um, for example, I mean, uh, well, ultimately, any assignment went into your question of when do they take place? Like, they take place when the builder allows them to take place. So, um, in pretty much any contract, the assignment clause is going to say something to the effect of assignments can take place when the building is 80% sold, or maybe it's 90%, or maybe it's 95%, it's some high number. Uh, and then it always has a little line in there that says, at the builder's discretion. So even if a even if a building is 100% sold out, in most cases, like a lot of buildings now will sell out, you know, on the first day or the first weekend or whatever it may be. Um, and so, wow, the building's 100% sold out. You would think, well, then the builder should just let me assign it like the next week if I want to. Right. Uh, but no, the, the builders, it's always at their discretion. In practicality, when did the builders allow assignments? When do most assignments actually happen? Uh, it's right at, right before the occupancy period starts, or in some cases at the you know at the occupancy period. Yeah. So when the building is almost complete, that's usually when the builder you know that's usually when the buildings are you know 95 to 100 percent sold out. Um, prices have increased significantly from you know when most people bought in the building at the beginning. Um, and it's it's just it's a more natural time for for buyers to buy in the building because they can see the building is up 
they can see that it's almost done and they can say, you know, wow, I can move into a brand new building in, in six months or in nine months or in 12 months. Uh, yeah, it makes sense for me to buy an assignment as opposed to not, nobody's really looking to buy an assignment for something that's not even a hole in the ground. Like it's going to take three, four years to get built. People are saying, well, what's the point of buying an assignment? I'll, let me just, it's much simpler and cleaner and easier and, and less capital required to just go to the builder and just buy directly from, from a builder. If I'm going to wait three, four years, I'll just do that. If I want something in six months, then I'm going to look at assignments. So, yeah. So in practicality, if you're thinking assignment-wise, uh, it, it's, it's, it's around occupancy or just before occupancy. And then I guess um, more just a question out of interest. Uh, the projects you get involved with and you uh, have worksheets for, obviously you don't cover every building. Does that mean uh, you're just specifically involved with these projects? So, for example, um, the Peter and Adelaide condos up the street, you haven't really mentioned much about them, so I guess maybe you're not involved with them. Um, I think it is a great location, though. I'm just curious. Uh, are you able to get involved with these things or you're not really interested? There are certain developers you work with. How does that work? Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, myself, you know, some agents will say, you know, they're platinum agents for every developer in the city. You see that kind of in marketing. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's obviously not true. Like, you, you can't be like a top selling agent for every single developer and every single project if it doesn't make sense. So yeah, I mean obviously the I will uh I developed relationships and, and a track record with certain builders over the years. There's many of them, obviously many top builders, but it's not every single builder out there. So there may be some projects that are great projects that, you know, I would say, yeah, there's there's certainly a great investment to get into. But they're not necessarily projects that I'm actively promoting or selling because I don't have access there. So I'm not going to, um, you know, I, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not going to, uh, in most cases, it doesn't make sense for, for me and for my clients, for my investors to, you know, to buy into those type of buildings after the initial sales, uh, first sales round has gone. Like if I'm, if I'm being invited in in round two or round three, um, there's not really any point. I might as well just take my take my investors to something else that is in round one. That is a that is a great opportunity, and that they're not missing out on the first uh, release. But yeah, that being said, I mean I've got many friends and many partners across uh, across the the industry who have you know relationships. You know, when you expand beyond me, just to like my colleagues and friends in, in the business, I. Certainly, you know, if I don't have that first access to a building, then I know for sure that one of my friends does, and and I and do that. We do that a lot as well, and we help each other um, get uh, get our clients into those projects where I might not have it, but uh, my friend over here has it, and, and we can get you in that way, kind of thing. Sounds good. Uh, that's really about everything. Um, so I guess off the record here, I. Um, I'm a bit relieved to hear that. So basically what you're telling me is that if I have a line of credit on my property, my car on, which I do, I can basically go out there and if I know what I'm doing in terms of my income stream for the next four or five years, 
I can pretty much just buy as many properties as I feel is sort of economically sound for me to do, is what you're saying, basically. There's no yeah. sort of... Perfect. Because the impression I got was that basically I've now sort of cut off <laughs> my leverage you by... You cut um, off one of your arms, yeah. Which is not, obviously... No, what I'm again, only, only with CIBC and only if you uh, are buying from Daniels. Gotcha. So, for example, like if if you wanna if you if you wanna get a unit at Due East, also a Daniel's project next you know, in the next week or so, then for that one, I would recommend getting your mortgage through uh, RBC. Understood. Right. You probably will actually. I um I have looked and I'm fairly uh, interested in that one for the fact that it's priced at an attractive point and it's got very good public transport. Um, so I'll do something for that, I think. And uh, I'm also very interested in the Kingling ones. I understand, of course, probably going to be pretty competitive and the chances aren't that great. But, um, yeah, yeah uh, you'll yeah. have from both of them, I think. Um, great. Yeah, I mean, I'm feeling very confident about getting a unit at Dewey. At Kingly, I'm hopeful, but, uh, again, just it's being a very small building, um, and a lot of the units are going to be penthouse units, uh, very expensive units. So assuming that you want yeah. sort of a average price unit, uh, I think so. From my perspective, correct yeah, me if I'm wrong, but it seems to be wiser. Well, I did a discounted cash flow analysis going out in time, and basically, to me, if you can rent out two studio apartments for say two thousand a month. To say, you know, three, four hundred thousand each, so that's seven hundred thousand. Or you could get, you know, seven or eight hundred thousand dollar two bedroom, but only rent it out to say three and a half thousand. Basically, when you discount the cash flows, you're sort of ahead by having a lot more smaller properties. And if I understand correctly, once you pay down the debts on those properties to the point where you're cash flow positive, that's sort of not considered sort of a, a liability on your leverage anymore. So basically, you can jump to the next small one. If I understand correctly, when you come to borrow, yeah, I mean, uh, in terms of cash flow, yes, the smaller ones are generally going to be better. Um, not always, but generally. Um, and yeah, in terms of uh, leverage and, and getting more properties and building a portfolio up, um, it depends on the bank. But if if you are speaking to the right bank like Scotia Bank for example is great right now. The banks are changing their policies all the time, but right now Scotia Bank is great. So if yeah. you have a rental unit, if it, basically they take the, the income that you're you're producing from it, um hundred percent of the income and, and so if, if it's cash flow neutral, then it's basically they look at that as it's not a liability. It's it's just it's it's if it doesn't even exist. Like it's not a knock on you at all in terms of your ability to get more debt. But some bank, powerful. Yeah, it's amazing. Many people so, didn't understand that. That I didn't myself. I'm kicking myself. I didn't really start to see it sooner. But because um, I always thought all your debts pretty much always stay your debts, so it makes sense to pay off you know all your debt on a mortgage. But basically, no, it makes more sense to become cash flow positive on many properties and keep growing. Obviously, the the risk is that prices crash, but if you've got enough funding to go forward, you can 
hold out for the five, ten years if there is a crash for how long anyway until prices revert back. Yeah, and yeah. even if, if prices go up or prices go down, yeah, it doesn't really matter as long as the if the if the asset is paying for itself, yeah, then you're good. I mean, uh, that's the beauty of a mortgage is, is and renting it out is you're outsourcing your debt. And your tenant is paying down your debt every single month for you, and and your tenant is putting, even if the property never goes up in value, you're still making money. Your net worth is still increasing because your mortgage is getting smaller and smaller. I feel like I started too late in life. <laughs> you feel like you started too late on on this? Oh, I mean, just uh. Yeah, as in, um, I mean, I probably could have bought a pre-construction one or two years after I bought the first place. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's uh, the old saying, right? I mean, the best time to buy real estate was 100 years ago. The second best time is right now, today. So. <laughs> uh, you know, you, hopefully, yeah. Yeah, you can't, uh, you can't go back, but, uh, you know, is on you know you're you're gonna in ten years from now you're gonna say well I'm glad I bought it then and I didn't wait another year or two years so. okay thank you great. for your time okay great thanks Claymore and uh, we'll talk to you soon yep we'll okay see you later bye bye thanks for listening to the Ask Andrew podcast to get your question answered just go to askandrewpodcast.com and click ask a question.